Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to church this morning. I'm so glad that you got up. I'm so glad that you came to church today. I really believe that you're going to be blessed. I really believe that the people in this room today and the ones that are clicking on our, our podcast, you're making an effort today to say, you know what? I'm, I'm, my future is important. Can I hear a good amen? My future, my destiny is important. And we're talking about being a dreamer. And uh, welcome to part three. And what we're doing is we're looking at the life of a dreamer and we're really encouraging our church and you to dream again. I believe it's time for our church to dream. And you say, Pastor Phil, why, why are you talking about dreams and being a dreamer? Because God created you to be a dreamer. He created you to dream. See, God is the creator of dreams and he uses dreams in our life to speak to us. He uses dreams in our lives to show us a preview of your destiny. And you have a destiny. You have a purpose. That is really the reason why you are alive. And God doesn't want us to dream small dreams because he's not a small God. God wants us to dream big dreams because he's a big God. Does anybody believe that this morning? And so God wants us to dream big dreams. And I can say this confidently. God wants every single one of us to have a dream. Why, Pastor Phil? Because you have a destiny and your dream is actually a preview of your destiny. And I think it's like, you know, when we're kids, even my son right now, I mean, he's just dreaming, dad, I want my own YouTube channel. Dad, you know what? I love to dance. I want to, I want to dance. And he's got all of these imaginations and, and dreams that he's thinking about. And I began to wonder, I was like, do we even remember when we were a child and the words like, I can't or never weren't even a part of our vocabulary. The words never and I can't, it's, it was always I can. Or when we were little, we would use the word when, when this happens. Or we would use the word imagine this. But you know what? As we grow up, what happens in our lives? We grow up and maybe some unexpected things came into our lives. And, and we were surprised that, that they did. And, and then we've just become convinced that dreaming is just a waste of time. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, Phil, you, hey, well, you know, my life is good. Like, it's really good. My life is like really good. And you're living for God. And, but if you were honest, you would say, this is not really the life, though, that you dreamed of. And so we want us to start to focus on it's time to dream again. And it's time to start believing that God has the purpose and the destiny and he will fulfill the dreams that he has given you. But we've got to look at the God factor. That's why Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 has been our theme scripture. And I love the way the rest of the message Bible reads. It says, look, it says this, God can do anything. Anybody believe that this morning? God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. You know, we have been looking at a dreamer in the Bible. His name's Joseph. And if you have your Bibles today, turn to Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to begin reading in verse 8. 
18. If you have your Bible, great. I encourage you to bring it to church. And if you don't have a Bible today, that's okay. You can uh, look on the big screen here. But let me tell you a little bit about Joseph's life. God gives him two incredible world-changing dreams when he was 17. And we talked about why dreams are important in our lives, what what a dream will do for you. And uh, today, what I want to do is I want to talk about don't quit in the pit. I want everybody to say that with me. Don't quit in the pit. Come on, turn to your neighbor real quick and say, don't quit in the pit. Because Joseph's going to have these dreams. He has these dreams that God gives him. He gives him two world-changing dreams, but he's got a lot of things going on in his life. He's got a lot of problems. His father loves him more than his other brothers, you know, and then Joseph actually tells his brothers the dream, and the dream is actually that his brothers who hate him will bow down to him, that his his parents will bow down to him in the second dream, and um, And so he tells his brothers, which he probably shouldn't have done. And so his dad, though, sees favor in Joseph and gives him this coat of many colors. This coat would probably, um, historians say that they would go down to your ankles and actually even go to your wrists. And uh, so it was a coat made of white linen and gold. And so it represented that he wasn't going to work. And so he walked around with this coat and his brothers are in the field and they would look at him. People that wear those type of coats don't work. They are more overseers and managers. And so the brothers hated him. Can you just feel the tension? It's like, here comes that, that dreamer guy. And so Joseph's brothers would hate him and his brothers, um, would, would do some things to him. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at what his brothers are going to do as they throw him into a pit because of their hate. Let's pick up the story. Have you found it in Genesis chapter 37 verse Verse 18, it says, now when they saw him, saw who? Joseph, afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now, I have some crazy, crazy family, but none that have tried to kill me yet. At least not that I know of. Then they said to one another, verse 19, look at this dreamer. Everybody say dreamer. Look at this dreamer. He's coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall say we shall see what comes of his dreams. Do you know that there are people that want to see what come of your dreams? You know, there are people that really want to see that. They want to see if God is real and you have a destiny, if dreams are really going to become true. Verse 21. But Reuben heard it. Reuben is his older brother. And he delivered him out of the hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into the pit, which is in the wilderness. And do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring back uh, and bring him back to his father. So Reuben had a plan. The brothers are like, look, let's just, let's just kill him. Let's put him in this cistern, which is a pit, this well. And he's like, and they're like, let's kill him. Let's just say that a, a wild animal came. We'll tell dad, we'll lie on him. And Reuben's like, look, you know what? Uh, I don't want to do that. Reuben's like, look, let's just leave him there. And Reuben had it in his mind that he's going to come back and take Joseph back to his father. But Joseph gets thrown into a pit. And I thought, isn't that interesting how life can have pits? 
Anybody been in a pit at some point in your life? You know, I think we all have. You know, I think one of the misconceptions about dreams and when God gives you a God-given dream, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, well, there's not just going to be any opposition. You know, um, as a matter of fact, uh, everything is just going to line up. God's given me this dream and everything is just going to line up. Well, you know what? It doesn't really work that way. I could say many times when God gives you a dream, there's always opposition from people and from the enemy. I think another misconception that people have when God gives them a dream is that, oh, I had a dream last night. Boom, it's going to happen tomorrow. It doesn't happen that way. It takes time. Somebody say it takes time. And every dream that God gives you is for an appointed time. The dream always has a specific time. And so the brothers don't like Joseph and they hate Joseph because of his dreams. The Bible says they were bitter. They were envious of Joseph. And I just want to encourage you today. Don't ever let bitterness become an emotion in your life. Because if bitterness can exist in your life, bitterness will always cause you and influence you to do things you never thought you would do. The brothers started off disliking, hating now uh, being bitter, and now they're thinking, let's kill them. Let's kill them. That's what bitterness does. Envy as well. Envy is like, I don't want your dreams to come true because my dreams haven't come true. Can I just encourage us today that God's abundant life, he doesn't ever run out of abundancy, that when we need to, you wanna be happy in life, one of the things that you need to learn how to do is rejoice when somebody's dream comes true and celebrate other people when they get blessed because your blessing is on the way as well. There's no reason to be envious. God doesn't run out of blessings. But what's interesting to me is that the Bible talks about two things that have a root. The Bible say the love of money is the root of all evil. But the Bible also says that bitterness will have a root. And the interesting things about roots is that roots will grow. You know, we moved here six years ago from El Paso, Texas to start Passion Life Church. And in in El Paso, Texas, a lot of our friends had what they called mulberry trees. And mulberry trees, they would plant in the back of their houses and mulberry trees' roots run very, very deep to the point where they will search for water even to go to where the sewage is at. And many of our friends in the front yard, even though they planted the tree in the backyard, they're sidewalk would begin to break open with roots coming from the mulberry tree. That's what bitterness does. Bitterness has a root. And if it's not dealt with, it will continue to grow and it will start to break up things in your life. And you will find that you will be saying things and doing things that you never thought you would do. I mean, just think about it. The brothers are now, let's kill him. Let's kill him. And so they throw Joseph into the pit. The Bible says it's a pit. One translation says it's a dark well. It's a cistern that they threw him into. And here you have Joseph, the dreamer, with this big dream in a small place. Big dream, small bank account. Big dream of a business, no staff. Big dream, small place. I don't know if you've ever been there. See, because in the pit, what happens is the pit is small. The pit is dark. The pit is confining. You know, at our community pool that we live at, 
that we have. Uh, they have two water slides there. It's amazing. One water slide is the blue slide. It's amazing. It's open. They have this orange water slide that is a tube. And so you get down. The water's pouring down. I've only gone down it once. Notice I said I've only gone down it once. And once you get down into the tube, it's dark. And there is a point in that slide where it doesn't feel like there's any air. The air is just sucked out. You can't breathe. And I remember what the lifeguard said, because I said, tell me about this slide. He said, well, there's a point where there's going to be dark, right? You're going to feel very claustrophobic, right? And then here's what he said, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And so as I'm going down and I can't breathe, I'm remembering there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But see, this is what a pit is. A pit is very, very confining. And if you're not careful because you have these big dreams, you'll quit in the pit because the preview of the dream, it didn't have a pit in it. The dream was big, but where you are is a small place. And you may be right there today. Big dreams. Want to go to college? I don't have the money. I have, I have big dreams, Pastor Phil, but this is what I want to do. But can I tell you this morning how you handle the pit will determine whether you make it or not to the palace? Let me say that again. How you handle the pit will determine whether you make it to the palace or not. And Joseph is in the pit. Now, when you are in a pit, it's good to know something. It's good to know how you got there. And I think there's three ways, three ways that we can get into a pit. Now, I'm not going to speak for you this morning. I'm going to speak for me because I won't get offended. Because I know that if I say something maybe about you, you may get offended. But so I'm going to talk about me. So here's the first way we can get into a pit. Because of the choices I made. I could be in a pit today because of the choices that I made. I knew I wouldn't get any amens on that. That's why I'm talking about me. I know in this room today, none of you have ever made a choice that has gotten you into the pit. I, I know. Just keep looking forward. It's good. That's why I'm talking about me. I am honest and courageous to say on the podcast and in front of you today that I have made some choices that have gotten me in a pit. I've gotten into financial pits. You know why? Because I spent more than I made. I've been in relational pits. You know why? Because I couldn't control my anger. I couldn't control my emotions, right? And so I got myself into a pit. But here is the good news. Whatever pit you find yourself into, God wants you to get out of the pit. And it is his will that you get out. I love what Proverbs 24, 16 says. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times, but you know what? He rises again. One translation says he gets back up. My church family, the greatest tragedy in life is not that you fall. The greatest tragedy in life is that you don't get up. That's the greatest tragedy in life. And the Bible says that a righteous man will fall seven times and he may get into a pit seven times, but he's going to get up. And if he falls seven times on the eighth time, eight in the Bible is the number of new beginnings. And today is a new beginning because if you will say, I want out of this pit, God can give us a new beginning. But some pits, if we're honest, it's because of my choices. The second reason why we can be in a pit is because choices that other people made. 
I thought I'd get maybe an amen on that one. It's okay. This is Joseph's case. He was in a pit, not because he chose it. As a matter of fact, he didn't do anything wrong. The only thing wrong we could ever fault him for was maybe he was a little prideful, maybe walking around with that coat, you know. Maybe he told his brothers about the dream in a wrong way. But does that constitute somebody throwing you into a pit and wanting to kill you? Man, I don't, I don't think so. But you know what? Now someone else's choices, listen, someone else's choices brought you down. Now it's somebody else's choices that brought you down. But I want you to hear me. It may have been their choice to knock you down, but it's your choice whether you're going to get up. Let me try this side. It may have been their choice to knock you down, but it's going to be your choice whether you get up and you stand up. Right? Because God, yeah, you can give the Lord a great round of applause. And there's a third reason why we have pits in our life. Just circumstances. Circumstances that are outside of our control. But I want you to know today, whatever the reason that you are in the pit, it is God's will that you rise up and that you get out of the pit. Can I hear a good amen today? And I believe it's time. I believe it's time for you. I believe it's time for God's people, right, to rise up and we need to start to dream again. And so here's what I wanted to do in today's message. I want to give you four ways to get out of the pit. I want to give you four ways. I want you to say it again. I cannot. Say it with me. I cannot. I cannot. Come on, say it loud. I cannot. Quit. In the pit. One more time. I cannot. Quit. In the pit. All right, here's number one. If you're going to get out of the pit, don't become comfortable in your pit. Listen. The Bible says that when Joseph was thrown in this well, there was no water in it. When you look at the Bible, there's reasons why it says certain things. God did not want Joseph to acclimate his life to the pit. Right? Because this is what can happen. Joseph could have hid in the pit. He could have got comfortable in the pit, right? He could say, wow, well, I guess this is just how God wants my life to be in a pit. And I want to encourage you today. Don't shrink your perspective to the pit, right? Don't do that. Don't accustom your life to pit living. Don't become acclimated to it because you know what? You can become accustomed to the pit. You can become accustomed to a miserable marriage. You can become accustomed to living in fear. See, all of us have, can have different pits. One person's pit can be fear. They're stuck in fear. They're stuck in the pit of fear. But you need to understand this, especially with Joseph. The pit was not Joseph's destiny. The palace was Joseph's destiny. The pit is not your destiny. The palace is your destiny. The pit is not your potential. The palace is your potential. The palace is the place where the dream is going to happen and the brothers are going to bow down. That's where Joseph's headed. But if you're not careful, you'll quit in the pit and you won't make it to the palace. You won't make it to the palace. And when it comes to the pits in our lives, to be honest, they should be pit stops, not pit stays. That's my perspective about the pit. Pits may happen, 
but it's a pit stop. It's not going to be a pit stay. Can I encourage you? Don't rent a hotel room in the pit. You're not going to stay there. I'm going to stay at the Holiday Pit Express. And some of us, we don't realize it's supposed to be a pit stop. So we're building our house in the pit. I'm just going to stay here. Oh, where do you live? Oh, it's called the pits. It's a gated community. I live on 5615 Pit Lane in Pit Town, California. Live in the pits. What you're telling me is you've decided to stay there. You decided to stay there. Do you know that when the children of Israel were in Egypt, and how do you think the children of Israel got to Egypt? Because of a dreamer named Joseph, right? He gets to Egypt, his family gets to Egypt, they grow, and then God is going to deliver them because Pharaoh sees that the, the Hebrews are growing, they're intimidated, so God is going to deliver them from the slavery so when God delivers them from the slavery, I want you to hear this. It was an 11-day journey to the promised land. It took the children of Israel 40 years to get to the promised land because they decided to live in the pit. And what should have taken 11 days took 40 years. And I'm telling you today that what you do, what you believe, and how you think has everything to do with you getting out of the pit. Can I hear a good amen today? And so don't get comfortable in the pit. Don't acclimate your life to small thinking because that's what the pit wants to do. It wants you to be confined and it wants you to have small thinking. And I always love to say this, the word of God has to be bigger in me than the pit that I'm in. The word of God has to be bigger. The dream has to be bigger and remind myself that the dream that God has given me is bigger than the place that I'm at right now. I may be in the pit, but my destiny is is in the palace. I'm excited this morning. You can stay in the pit if you want. I'm going to help you. But you know what I've learned? Some people don't want to get out of the pit. Pastor Phil, I love my misery. How long have you been miserable? About 15 years. Wow. Is that God's best for your life? the pit and I don't want to stay in the pit when there can be a palace so let's not get comfortable with it here's number two you glad you came to church today if you're going to get out of the pit you need to realize that Satan always attacks those who are next in line for promotion you need to know there is an enemy and you've got to be aware of his goal. You know what his goal is? He wants to crush your dreams in the pit so you never make it to the palace. Never make it to the palace. He wants to crush your dreams. And can I tell you, here's why he's coming against you so hard. Here's why he wants you to be distracted and not dream and forget about your dreams, abandon your dream because your dream is a preview of your destiny. And if he can distract you from your dream, he can distract you from your destiny and your destiny is the reason and the purpose why you are alive. You know, I was listening to uh, T.D. Jakes this morning and I love him. He's, he's a success in every 
aspect of he's in movies and all these things. And he was preaching this morning and I was just listening. And he said, you know how I define success and we should define success by one thing, fulfilling your purpose. And he was talking about how many millionaires he's known that had blown their brains out because they thought success was money and they got the money and they weren't fulfilled. And he was saying that success is fulfilling your destiny and your purpose. You can be a billionaire and still not be fulfilled. I want to fulfill my purpose. And so the enemy is always going to attack your potential. My church family, there's greatness in you. There's greatness in you. He loves you. God put greatness in you. He put purpose in your life. But the devil wants you to lose hope in the pit because it's dark. You know, Joseph could have felt alone. He wasn't alone, but he could have felt alone. And he wants to detach hope from your life. You know, the Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, you can become sick in the pit because you're detaching yourself from the dream maker because you think, well, this is it. It's not it. But it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled, woo, is a tree of life. A tree of life. So the devil wants to crush your purpose. So you abandon the dream. You know, Joseph's whole dream would save his whole family would touch so many lives. He would save a nation because of the plan that he had. We're going to talk about this because a dream is great, but you, it's a dream and a plan that makes it come about. You can dream all day, but sometimes you, you got to wake up and start doing the dream. Can I hear a good amen? You got to start working on that dream. And he's got an incredible plan. But I want to encourage you to, to understand what the enemy's plot is, is to abort your potential because he sees it in you. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. You know, I think about my life a lot in, in just different aspects as I was thinking about how the enemy tries to abort potential. Do you remember when Moses was born? They were killing all the kids, remember? When Jesus was born, what, what, what did Herod do, right? Trying to kill the babies in their infant stage. Why? Because if you can kill potential in its infant stage, and I think about my life, I think about, you know, I've had some really honest conversations with my mom at, at times. And my mom had me when she was about 19 years old. And uh, when her boyfriend, my father, who I had never met, when he found out that she was pregnant, he left her. And I was, she was probably about six months pregnant with me, seven months pregnant with me. And she didn't know what to do. And I, I, I can just, my, I can sympathize with her being 19 years old, being pregnant, not knowing what to do, uh, not really having a job. So she went to church and she talked to the priest at the church. And the priest said, you know, my best advice for you would be to abort that child. Abort that child. Can I just tell you? They're talking about me. Because the enemy's goal is always to abort you in your infant stage. See, you may not think your dream is that big, 
But that's why the enemy comes so hard against you because he probably can believe more in your dream than you do. So he wants to attack you and crush you in the pit so you never get to that place. And I thought for just a moment, wow, could you imagine if my mom would have taken that advice from that priest, Phil Valdez would have never been born. And then I started to look at my life so far. I have more dreams that I believe God wants to, to fulfill in my life. But I think about the dreams that he already has. How many young people, thousands of young people, thousands of young people that I've ministered to in the last 20 years, that some of them today, when I look on Facebook are going to church, they were in seventh grade when I met them. And I didn't, I was like, Oh God, you're going to have to change this kid. They were bouncing off the walls. I don't know what was going on, you know? And all I could say is, Lord, it's your anointing that breaks the yoke. And Lord, you're going to have to anoint me for this moment. But those kids that were in seventh grade, now I look and on Facebook, they're married and they're taking their kids to church. Why? Because of somebody's dream and somebody's potential and the purpose that God had on my life. And the enemy saw the greatness of that and tries to abort it in its infant stage. No Phil Valdez, no Passion Life Church. I know that's 40 something years into the future, but that's why the enemy comes and he knows, man, you may not see the dream right now, but let's abort it now. Let's abort it right now here in the pit. And he loves to abort potential in its infant stage. And can I just encourage you this morning? Your destiny is to have the King's ring. Your destiny is to have the royal robe. That's what would happen with Joseph. Oh, you're going to see they stripped him of the robe. The brothers did. And then Potiphar's wife, right? She's going to strip Joseph of his coat. He loses two coats. But when he gets back to Egypt, he is going to be arrayed in a royal robe. And that's your destiny. That's your destiny. That's what God has for you. And the dream that comes to pass. Listen, I know it may take a while. I know that it seems like, man, Pastor Phil, I'm working, I'm doing this. You know, um, it just seems like forever. I understand. God may be working slow, but I will tell you this. When promotion happens, it happens fast. Do you know that Joseph would go from the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, and he would go from the prison to the palace in one day. The prison to the palace in one day. Do you know that Daniel went from the lion's den? He went from the lion's den to the palace in one day. Do you know that David went from the caves of Jerusalem to the palace where Saul was in one day? And we wonder why the enemy comes so hard my church family, please look at me in the eye. Your destiny and purpose is not just about you. There are people that are going to be dependent on your dreams. There are people who are waiting for the dream that God gave you to happen. When we moved to Marietta 
to start Passion Life Church. There's a young lady who's still with us working uh, with us today, volunteering one of our department heads. I'll never forget our first launch meeting. She walked up to me and she said this. She said, we have been praying for you to come. We have been praying for a church like this. I didn't know her. But you know what? There are people who are going to be dependent on your dreams. The brothers didn't know it, but they would be dependent on Joseph's dream. Actually, their whole life would be dependent on it because when the famine comes, they wouldn't be able to, to, to eat. And I just want to encourage you as parents today, your kids are dependent on your dreams. Can I hear a good amen? Oh, I'm going to go deeper. Your grandchildren are dependent on your dreams. I'm going to go deeper. Your great, great, great grandchildren are going to be dependent on your dreams. I'm going to go deeper. Your lineage is dependent on your dreams. This is not just about me. This is not just about you. This is about people. And there are people who are waiting for your dreams to be fulfilled. I, I, I just never saw it that way. I just I thought it was about me. Well, when you start to see it that way, then you start to realize I better get along with my wife. I better get along with my husband because my marriage is important. I better think about my purpose because it's going to affect my whole lineage that God has for you. Can I go deeper? All right, one person, so I'll walk over here and talk with them. <laughs> See, Joseph's father was a dreamer. Jacob. His father was a dreamer. So Joseph was a dreamer. So what we do, what we believe, affects our kids and their lives. And so God wants us to, to dream. And I'm telling you, you are next in line for promotion. And everything you're believing, and every, I'm telling you, can happen in one day. And I'm so excited about it. Sometimes what I do is I look at what the devil's doing in my life, and I get excited. You say, why do you get excited? Because he's attacking me. He doesn't attack people who sit on the couch and do nothing. He attacks people who have potential of destroying the kingdom of darkness. That's why he comes at you so hard. And I always like, oh, not that I enjoy it. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not sick and demented. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I understand when there's pressure coming against, I'm like, he knows something. There is something on the other side of this attack that God is going to bring and bless us with. And he knows about it. And he's going to do everything he can to abort the potential of it. Can I share with you a real quick story? You know, starting a church is not the easiest thing, especially when you don't know anyone. And, uh, you know, I always look and I know that when the enemy's coming against us, I know that on the other side of that, God has an incredible blessing. Breakthrough is coming. But I will tell you this. My wife and I moved here a year before we planted Passion Life Church. And we planned for a year. I mean, I must have went to every single high school that I could. Or is this the place, God? Is this the place? We were raising money. I was traveling, raising money, doing my wife was working, and we were planning, man. I love to plan, you know? How many of you know a dream without a plan is just a wish? 
and we need to plan. And I, and I was planning, man. We were, you know, meeting with leaders and all of this stuff. We were so excited because it was two days before the launch of the church. I'm talking about we had spent $10,000 on promotion to invite 50,000 people. And out of that percentage, we would only get maybe half a percent. But I'm just like, wow, we sent out 50,000 mailers. We're, we bought the sound equipment. We are ready to go. And two days before we launched the church, there was a couple who had committed to helping us in the area of media. Now, I've done a lot of media in my life, and I do some of the media here at Passion Life, setting up all of these, these photos and things so we can learn and listen and see at the same time. But I didn't know what I knew now. Uh, but two days before we were about to launch, I get an email from a couple and they said, um, I'm sorry to inform you, but we're not going to be able to be a part of your launch day. They said, um, we got pulled into our pastor's office. I said, what? We got pulled into our pastor's office and they found out that our house was on your website to be a life group leader. And so they got, we got pulled into the pastor's office and he said, you cannot go to that church. You cannot be a part of that church. I thought they were a part of our church. I didn't know. And they said, so we will not be a part of your launch. I had no idea how to do media, but I do know this, that there was a launch day where people were going to give their lives to Christ. It's going to be the biggest day at that point that we had had, we were so excited. But when I got that email, I said, the enemy knows we're here. And if I think that we're just going to launch a church with no opposition, I'm not as seasoned as I thought. But when I got that email, I knew the enemy was upset because light always affects the darkness. And so we scrambled and did everything that we could. And I tell you that story to tell you, I could have lost it in the pit. I could have said, Lord, what's going on? We've done all of these things. But when you realize that the enemy wants to crush you in the pit, it's because of your purpose. So you should be excited to know he's coming after you because you have greatness in you. Come on, somebody. And he's defeated. So don't let him win in your life. Amen. Just remind him that he is a defeated foe. And we launched. And here we are today. So excited that the church is growing. It's big, bigger than it ever has been. God is doing things. People's lives are changing. So I'm the devil. Some of you look at me like you don't fart. That's okay. Number three. If you're going to get out of the pit, focus on what's happening in you, not to you. I can never control what people do to me, but I can control what happens in me and how I respond to those people. The enemy wants, he's got some pits set up for you. Listen, he's got the pit of offense. He wants you stuck in it. He wants you stuck in the pit of offense. Why did this happen to me? I, listen, it happened to you because people are mean. It happens to you because we are living in a fallen world. It's happening to you because there's great potential in your life. It happens to you because not everybody likes you. Not everybody is like you. Amen. But what are we going to do? Are you going to sink in the pit? 
No, you know what you got to do? You got to forgive in the pit. You have to allow God to work in you in the pit. So if we're not careful in the pit, I want you to listen to this. If you're not careful, you will become in the pit like the people you despise. I don't see the people that are throwing you in the pit. They've got problems too. And they justify their problems. They justify their pit. They justify their offense. And that's why they're treating you the way that they're treating you. So forgiveness, what it does is it breaks those chains and says, listen, I will not treat you like you have treated me, right? I am going to treat you like God has treated me and God has forgiven me. So I will forgive you. I'm not going to stay in the pit of offense. I'm not going to stay in the pit of self-pity. I'm so, oh, woe is me. My life sucks. Horrible. Well, what are you going to do about it? It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Cry if I want to. So you're acclimating your life to the pit. You're accustoming your life to the pit. Well, if I don't feel sorry for me, who's going to feel sorry for me? If I don't take care of me, who's going to take care of me? God will. See, if you'll stop trying to take care of you, God will take care of you. So what you got to do is get out of the way and let God move in. Because I'm going to tell you as a testimony, God didn't take better care of me than I can take care of me. Can I hear a good amen? And so he can hear you, heal your wounds. He can make you well. He can make you whole. Can I hear a good amen today? So in the pit, if you're in there right now, focus on what's going on in you. What's happening in me? Pastor Phil, I'm really angry. I understand. You need to forgive You need to forgive because in order for Joseph's dream to happen in the palace, he's going to have to forgive his brothers. And we're going to go there in a couple weeks. Here's number four and the last one for today. Are you still awake this morning? You're going to get out of the pit. Those who created the pain of the present do not control the pleasure of your future. The very brothers that did all of this would bow down at some point they would bow down to Joseph. They would do it. So we need to stop and quit worrying about what people are saying about us. We need to stop worrying about the people that are attacking us, right? You can't control what they do. You can only control what you do. You can control by keeping your heart right with God because it's God that's gonna make the dream come true. It's God that's gonna make, give you the right connections. It's God that's gonna do that. You know, when I think about the pleasure of the future, I think about this. There will be people in your future that are waiting for you to get there. And they're going to be so glad that you did. They're going to be so glad you made it. They're going to be so glad you didn't quit. Come on, somebody. They're going to be so glad that when the tough times are like, man, you're here and you're helping me. To me, that's the greatest fulfillment of my life is watching people's lives change, telling you not to quit when I was thinking about quitting, but I didn't quit. I made it. And guess what? If I made it, you can make it. Let me say that again. If I can make it, you can make it. So let's say it again. Say, don't quit. Come on, say it out. Don't quit. In the pit. Now make it personal. Say, I can't quit. 
in the pit. There's people waiting for me. Now turn to your neighbor and say, don't quit. In the pit. Turn to your neighbor and say, people are waiting for you. Because dreams will come true. Come on, let's give God a good round of applause for his word. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.